Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. For those of you who are parents, um, for those who have toddlers especially, you know, every week, every month, there's a different phrase, different season. And this season has been the my season. Mine, mine, mine. And it's crazy because there's so many great qualities, so many qualities about this girl I love. But the my thing, it's just funny. And I'll give you, I'll give you some, uh, some examples. So the first one was this was a couple weeks ago. You know, got her in the morning, changed her, put some pants on her. Because as you guys know, going outside without pants is not a good idea, right? So I'm putting pants on her. I'm, tr- I'm, tr- I'm trying to, right? She's like, Daddy, my legs, my legs. I'm like, girl, <laughs> your legs but my reputation, okay? Like, we're going to put some pants on you. I'm looking at Lauren like, did you, did you teach her that? Like, you know, like, like where'd she get that from? I, said, I, don't, I didn't teach her that. I'm like, okay, whatever. And there's another moment, too, where I don't know how, but this girl's hair, it just becomes like a jungle forest, like, so fast. And, and we're trying, like, combing her hair, you know. Here's some candy. Here's some YouTube. Like, Lord, give us a strategy, please, right? And it's just not. She's like, my hair, my hair. I'm like, it's your hair, but it looks horrible. <laughs> we got to fix it, girl. And last but not least, this is like I think my favorite one so far is pray for us. We're trying to potty train this girl. We're so close, but yet we're so far at the same time. And I'm like, Stella, hey, baby, go in your potty. Daddy's going to get you candy. Oh, candy, awesome, right? So she sits on her potty, and she literally goes like, shh. <laughs> Daddy, can I have some candy? I'm like, no, I'm not keeping you candy for that. That's not good enough. And then, but then my heart, I'm like, all right, here's some, here's some candy, right? The worst part was, was two minutes later, there was a shh, but it was a real one, and it wasn't in the potty. So it was like, come on, Sayla, we got this. And I just started thinking about that, and I know there's some funny examples, but I think all of us in some way can almost act in that way, which is, I know the things that I need to do are good for me, yet I just don't do it. The things where, man, like, gosh, like, I know someone should probably comb my hair, but I'm not going to let them. I know I know I should probably put some pants on when I go outside, but I don't. And I think in similar ways, we can have that same kind of demeanor, even attitude, where it's like, I know I need to change up this part of my life, but I'm not. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to hang on. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, whether you're a Christian or not, if you're just a human being, we're more control freaks than we want to probably even admit to ourselves. Control, control, control. And what tends to happen is that when we control these parts of our life with a tight grip, and this is, and this is like the hard part, is that we become the driver to our own lives and we put God in the passenger seat. And that's a dangerous place to be in. And here's why. Because how many of you know, but I don't make a great God, and neither do you. And when we're in that driver's seat making the calls, my will, my thing, what I'm going to do, we're in, at some point we are going to crash. And what do those crashes look like? Ugh, like? I know I need to make some changes. I know I need to choose better friends. I know I need to get out of this relationship. I know I need to just get out. I need to let this go, but I hang on to it because I've got to control it. And sometimes it doesn't need to be external. It can be internal things. Where it's like, I know I need to let go of that negativity, that just that cynicism inside of me, but I just can't. It's just way too comfortable. I know I need to let go of that fear 
and I need to let go of that fear of how I'm going to be received by people, but yet I just, I can't. I, I have to hang on to it. So there's this part of us where, man, we know, we, we, even, we want to get out of the, the driver's seat, but we feel like we can't. We have to stay there and just stay in control. And how many of you know that faith isn't stagnant? You're like, what do you mean? Like, I actually feel stagnant right now in my faith. Like, that is true. Let me explain. See, faith, it, it's always going somewhere. Faith is trust. And so it could be in God or it could be in something or someone. It could, it could be in your circumstance. It could be in a status. It could even be in a feeling. But we're all going to have a faith in something or someone. It's just a matter of where and who. And so faith is always moving, but the question is, who is it in? And so if we're in the driver's seat, if you're taking notes, jot this down, control cripples faith. Control cripples faith. It's going to hold us back more than we even realize. And Jesus, out of everyone, knew this um, the best out of anybody. He anticipated this. If you look in your Bible, Matthew chapter 16, Tells us a story where Jesus is about to go to the cross. He tells, he tells his 12 disciples, guys, it's about to get rough. I'm going to die. It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to die, but it's going to be okay. And Peter stands up, right? No, Lord, you're not going to die for me. You're not going to die for us. And Jesus just rebukes the mess out of him. He's like, get behind me, Satan. All you have in your mind is man's thoughts, but not God's thoughts. Because Peter... It looks like he's being like very honorable. Don't die, Jesus. We don't want you to die. But Peter knew that if Jesus died, you got to follow your rabbi. So if Jesus dies, he has to die too. So Peter's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm controlling this bad boy. I'm going to become the driver of this because I don't want to go down that road. So Jesus says this in response. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And in those days, that would be so obvious what that meant. Because a cross meant execution. It meant death. It meant that you were coming literally to the last part of your life. He goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. This is this is gospel paradigm. But the more that we try to hang on to our life, the more that we're actually losing control of our lives. The more that we try to hang on to our stuff that we just don't want to give God access to, we're actually out of control. Jesus is led into one of the most simplest but the hardest things that any of us could probably do is this. Surrender. When you surrender your life to God... You don't just get it back, but you get God's purpose for your life, which is way better than any of us could even imagine. See, if you get this picture that if you're the driver in the car, most of us, if we're being honest, myself included, our destination, our GPS is happiness. God, I just want to be happy. I want to be happy, God. Just let me be happy. And that isn't a bad thing. Who doesn't want to be happy? But how many of you know that God's destination is better and greater than our destination? Our destination is happiness. His destination is holiness. 
So when God's in the driver's seat, he wants to make us more like him. And holiness can be a church, a churchy word, but what it means, it's set apart, it's unique, it's different. Basically, God wants us to partake in what it means to be in a relationship with him. But if we're not walking in holiness, we can't partake in that. But here's the cool part. A really cool part is that in God's holiness, there's more than happiness. There's eternal joy. So God's like, don't settle for that fickle, fluffy, like, you know, gone by the day happiness. Seek after holiness. And it's in holiness that you're going to find the joy that can only come from me. So when God's in the driver's seat, he's going to know how to get you there. But when we're in the driver's seat, it's going to look a lot different. So surrender brings back the flow and the life back into our faith. So I want to submit to all of us that include myself, is that the place in your life that you feel the tightest grip on, that's where God wants to be in the, uh, the biggest breakthrough. The part that you just want to, like, I just, I, I can't, I, I need to hang on. God's like, if you let go, I'm going to come through. If you let go, I'm going to show you. If you let go, man, test me, try me, I'm going to come through because I'm not a liar and I can make this. I can split the sea. There's the parts in your lives that you feel like you're stuck, man, surrender and watch me split it. So God wants to do that new work. So you guys ready to jump in? We're going to be looking at the life of Abram today, which I'm excited about. That's in Genesis chapter 15, so if you want to turn your Bible but let me give you some context. Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abram, Abram, I want you to leave your home and your household, leave everything to follow me. And here's why. Because I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the whole world. So God's like, I want you to surrender everything you have so I can give you everything that I have, but not just for you, but for everyone um, in your life, through you as well, in and through you. How many of you know your obedience doesn't just affect you, but affects the people around you. You just don't just need to pray for your families, for your own faith, because your family needs it as well. You just don't need just to go to a small group for your own self, but for the people in your small group, they need your voice in their lives. And so we need to go because other people are waiting on the other side of our obedience. we got to go. We have to go first. And so Abram goes first. And God blesses him immensely, immensely. Like from his life, from his household to like what he owns, his possessions, every part of his life, it was flourishing. And so we hit Genesis chapter 15. This is what the Lord is saying to Abram. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Continue. But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. So just get this picture in your head and your heart. That Abraham literally has everything he could even imagine he goes to God and says, God, you give me everything, but you've held back one thing from me, a son, a child. And, and, and look at what he's saying. What good, God, is what you're doing in my life because I don't have this one thing. How many times have we had that same perspective where it's like, gosh, that one thing we want to happen, it doesn't. It feels like it can disrupt everything in our lives. And 
this is just my opinion, but if you go back where it says, oh, sovereign Lord, and this is just my opinion, but the word sovereign is there for a reason. Abraham says, oh, Lord. He's saying, oh, sovereign Lord. Sovereign means you're fully controlled. You can do all things. So basically what Abraham's saying is, God, if you can do it, why aren't you doing it? God, you could give me a son. Why are you holding back? God, if you are all powerful, can do all things, why are you withholding the one thing that's going to make me happy? Why, God? And what can happen in those moments, and I think a lot of times when we've hit those crossroads, is that oftentimes control starts to happen when something doesn't go our way. And so, God, if you're not going to provide for my family the way I think you should, I'm going to provide my own way. God, if you're not going to give me that relationship, I'm going to find myself a relationship, and it's not going to be that hard. We find ourselves compromising and controlling our own lives because we feel like God hasn't come through. And, and, and it may not even be a negative thing. It could be other things where it's like, God, I've been sick in my body for so long. If you're not going to heal me, then I'm not going to have hope. I'm going to stay depressed. I'm going to stay in this pit, right? And so... We hang on to these things out of fear because God hasn't given us what we felt like he should have given us. And so I'm wrestling with this message because I know there's things in my heart and my life where God's just touching and he's bringing clarity to. And I just feel like for a lot of us, for, for Abram, the whole thing was surrender. Is God isn't asking Abram to surrender his son or his idea of having a son. He wants him to surrender himself. Because that's what's happening. Abram's like, if you don't give me a child, then I'm not going to give you me. And so in those moments, see, there's nothing wrong with wanting a child. There's nothing wrong with these things. But what tends to happen is that good things can become God things. And when God things try to replace God, that's when we make them into an idol. John Calvin said it best. He says this, the human heart is a factory of idols. So if we're not careful, the things that God meant for good, we can make it into God, and we make it into an idol in our hearts. And what an idol is, is where we get our value and where we get our identity. Abram's like, I have everything, God, but you haven't given me a son. How can I enjoy you? How can I go forward if I don't have this one thing? So if we're not careful, those same things can happen to ourselves. I used to be a youth pastor. I, I love being a youth pastor. It was so fun. And um, one of the things that we did constantly in youth is that we had to help our students with relationships that they would be in. Messy relationships. Crazy relationships. And, uh, and, this, and this wasn't coined by Laura and I by any means, but um, we started talking to our students about friend relationships. You can kind of guess what that is by the name of it. Where it's like, we're not friends, we're more than friends, you know, because we hang out all the time, we talk on the phone, we text, a lot of emojis, we kind of kiss here and there, you know. But we're not committed, you know. I mean, that's like, that's a lot of commitment right there. We're not Facebook official, we're not Instagram, right. And so it's like, you get in so much uh, gray and pain because something that was meant to be in commitment, it wasn't, and it's a friend relationship. And I think I was really passionate about it because I had friend relationships too when I was in high school and college. And it's like, guys, I want you to learn from wisdom and not from consequence. 
And, and so there's this one particular moment. This was, I think, uh, two years, no, year and a half, two years, whatever, somewhere in there, before I met my wife. Um, side, side note, um, so my wife's name's Lauren. The two girls I dated before, their names was Lauren, too. And so what I tell Lauren is, I knew it was a Lauren. I just had to find the right one. I don't know if she still likes it. She never laughs when I tell her that joke, but... I don't know why, but, um, and so the Lauren, so funny to say, the Lauren before I met the real Lauren, um, gosh, I felt like we were going to work. I felt like this is good, right? We're talking all the time. We're serving together, right? But it just never worked itself out. And I get so frustrated. I'm like, God, like, I didn't date for a whole year purposefully. So I could be set apart, so you could use me, right? And it's almost, I look back, I'm like, wow, was I using that against God? Like, God, you've given me everything, but yet you haven't given me this. I've done all these things. Why haven't you given it back to me? And I was just so, I was just so angry. So I remember this one church service. I went outside. I was just so mad. And I am, I'm a, I'm a thinker more than I am a feeler. And so it takes a lot for me to express myself emotionally. So if you know me and you see me outside crying uncontrollably, you would have thought I was dying. Like, it was like, oh, is Chris okay? Like, what's, what's going on? So I was crying. I was just so angry at God. My God, you know my heart. You know what I'm desiring. Why isn't this happening? And it's crazy because I didn't feel like God spoke anything directly to me. But like what Pastor Matt was saying before, I just knew God's presence was there. It was with me, comforting me. And this, my heart, my heart started to soften. And all I said back to God was yes. God, yes to your plan. God, yes to your will. God, yes to your way. God, yes to following you and not trying to force you to follow me, God. Yes, yes, yes. God, yes to you being the driver. See, God, yes to me taking up my cross because you didn't die so that I could just keep living my own life blindly. You died so I could follow you and have a full life. Yes, God. It's just that simple yes. And something just shifted in my heart. And I just, I stopped complaining. I stopped whining. I got things right. I started serving wholeheartedly again. All because I just said yes. Surrender always starts with yes. Why? Because surrender always starts with the heart. It's always the heart. So if you're taking notes, jot that down. Surrender starts with the heart. A lot of times it's like, gosh, God, like why, why do I have to give this away? Why, do I ha- why are you asking me to like stop this? And I got to be honest with you, that's the wrong way of seeing surrender. Religious base. That's not the gospel. Is God, I give so I can get, I can get back from you. I'm going to not do this. I, I'm not going to smoke or chew or date girls that do <laughs> so that you could give me all that I want and desire. And that's, that's a contract. That's like God, sign on this line what you're going to do for me. But God's in the, in, in the business of relationship. And it's the, it's the opposite. Where it's like God... I'm going to surrender because I know you have what's best for me. And in that relationship, you're going to give me more than I can think or imagine. Surrender starts with the heart. And so don't worry about what exactly you're surrendering. Worry about, man, am I surrendered towards God? Is my heart surrendered to the will of God? And you know what? There's still going to be some junk when you surrender. 
But it's in that process, as you surrender, God makes you right. You don't make yourself right. So surrender starts with the heart. So Abram's in this uh, conundrum right now where he's hanging on for dear life, but yet, yet, he, he, he wants to follow, but he can't. And you think in this story, right, if I'm reading this for the first time, I'm thinking, myself, okay, well, Abram, until you surrender, God will give you a child. The opposite happened. God still gave him a child. But there was still stuff in his heart that was deep, that was just messed up, that wasn't surrendered. There was idols there. And we know this because there was, this came out in different parts of his life where he would go to a king and he would lie to the king. Oh, Sarah, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Because he was afraid of what they would do to him and to her. And so God loved Abram so much that even though he gave him a son, he wanted to get into his heart the parts of his life that just still weren't good. So the story continues. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Continue. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Excuse me. On one of the mountains, which I will show you. So get this picture. If you're Abram, you're like, wait, I spent all these years waiting for a son, and yet now you want me to give him back? Seriously? And I know it, you, when we read this text, it, it can just seem so, God, like, why would you even, like, sacrifice seriously? And I can assure you that God's character isn't on the line. If you read in Deuteronomy, I forgot where it is, but it's in Deuteronomy where it says, God even said himself, there's a law. No sacrificing of babies, of humans, of, of anybody at all. So God knows what he's doing. And if you know the rest of the story, which we're going to hit at in just a couple minutes, if you give me time, no one's getting murdered in this situation. But what God was basically saying to Abram, Abram, what you're keeping from me is what's going to keep you from my love. I'm falling right now. Whoa, watch out. <laughs> I'm like, how do I switch this? Nope, I'm just going for it. What's keeping, what we're keeping from God, it's going to keep us from God's love. So just, just picture that for the moment. Abram's like, yes, you can have a son, but if you keep that from me, that's going to keep you from my love. And here's the thing. is like We're not talking positionally or salvation. We're talking about experiencing the love of God. So we can walk with God our whole lives. We can know where we're going. We're going to heaven. But yet if we keep these things to ourselves, we're going to miss out on the intimacy that God wants to give to us. And so what Abram say, what God is saying to Abram is, gosh, like, the thing that's killing you, I want to kill. The thing that's trying, to, that, that is just, oh, that's getting you, I want to take that out before it takes you out. So, so Abram, in faith, it says, this, the scripture says that he gets up early in the morning and he goes. And he walks for three days. I mean, for, I think for a lot of us, if we're walking for three days, if there's a time to bail, you, you have a lot of thinking time. He wakes up three days, and finally he puts them on the altar. And this is what the scripture says. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, your, uh, from me even your son, your only son. 
So just get this picture in your head. Abraham is going to sacrifice the one thing that means the most to him. And God says, like, stop. Don't do it. Don't lay hand on the boy. I want it. You needed to know in your heart that you could fully trust me. And, 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 here, and here's the key, and this is, I've read this story so many times, but I thought the Lord has brought a, a, a deeper understanding to it for me, is that Isaac wasn't on the altar. It was Abraham's will on the altar. What God wanted to sacrifice and ultimately destroy wasn't a child, but he wanted to take out that part of Abraham where he felt like I had to control, I have to get my own. If, if you don't make it happen, I'm going to make it happen. That thing, that simple part of Abraham's heart, God's like, let me get that. Let me take that away. Because if, if I don't take that away, that's going to take you away, but I'm going to take that away so I can bring you closer to me. And so what God did in that moment was incredible. And, and the scripture says that when, right when Abraham heard that voice, he looks up. And what does he see? He sees a ram caught in the thicket, ready for a sacrifice. So what God was saying was, I already had a plan and purpose for your surrender. You just needed to say yes to me. How many of you know that your surrender will never be greater than what God has already provided for you in Christ? Can I say that again? Like, God will always provide more than what you can ask or imagine because you can't give to God more than what he's going to give to you. You can't. And, and that's the gospel because think of this picture. John 3, 16, ring a bell, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. One and only son. What a picture we have is that Jesus, Isaac was a picture of Jesus, where he was the one who sacrificed himself, where we, desi we deserve to die, we deserve to be on that um, altar, but yet Jesus took the pain and penalty for us. He took it for us. So in a gospel understanding of surrender isn't that I give, I give, I give, I surrender. I surrender so that God will love me and appreciate me and give me all that I want. We understand that in light of who Jesus is, in light of what he's done for me, the only, the only appropriate response to the graciousness and love of God is just to give my life back. Because he's already given his life for us. And isn't that what Paul was trying to get at in Romans 12, 1? That in light of the mercies of God, my appropriate spiritual act of worship is to present my body towards God. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all the way through. And so today, as we look inside of our hearts, don't ask the question instead of what does God want me to surrender, but God, am I surrendered? Am I surrendered to the will of God. Because God has provision for you. He's got everything you need for life and for godliness. But the question is, am I surrendered? And I was just thinking and praying through, okay, this is like, this is big stuff. I want to surrender. Like, how do I do that? And I just felt like what the Lord wanted me to say to you is when it comes to surrender, just say yes. Just say yes. Whatever that may be. And this may not be directly for you, but I feel like it will be for a lot of us, is there's three different yeses I think we can make today. One is our heart for you guys is for you to know God. Not just this, like, you know, factual, like, I know all these things about God. I can name all these verses. And that's cool. But, like, I instantly have a story with God. I've tasted of his goodness, and I'm following him. And the way that that happens 
is that we have to surrender. Every story of God working in someone's life, there was always a surrender that happened before. And so just today, if you're someone who've never received Christ or if you need to come back today, just say yes. His arms are wide open. Come home. Come home today. Maybe you're someone who's been in the church for a while and you love Jesus, but you're just isolated from people. And, 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 when, and when you look at the scriptures, it's literally impossible to love God without loving people. Like intimate relationships. When you look at the book of Acts, it says that they went to the temple and they went home to home every single day. And one of my favorite stories, a woman came up to me a couple months ago. And she's like, Pastor Chris, I need to tell you this story. I joined a small group. It was awesome. But you have to know that I was the queen of isolation. I was scared. I didn't want to, like, do life with people. I was so afraid to be vulnerable. And don't get, I love this church. I love Jesus. But yet I just, oh, I couldn't do it. God convicted her. And she finally stepped into a small group. And she's like, I'm so convinced that this is the right place for me. I'm never not going to be, ever be, not be part of a small group. She went to Grove Track, joined the Dream Team. She's serving. And it's like, God, it was all because she just said yes. So if you're like, oh, like, I don't know. You're never going to experience all that God has for you if we settle for isolation. We have to get connected to people. And so there's that. And then last but not least, we want you to discover your purpose. We want you to make a difference. The people that come and serve every single Sunday, they're serving from a place of God. You have a purpose for my life. And, man, I want to give back. And so join Pastor Matt today for Go Track Step 1. I promise it will be a worthy investment of your time. We're not just going to feed you, but we're going to give you purpose today. We're going to give you direction. We're going to give you God's plan. And so don't miss out on that because God, I just believe God has something for you today. Amen. And so every story starts with surrender. Surrender starts with your heart. And so don't miss out where it's not just your behavior, but God just wants your heart. And when you give him your heart, that surrender piece, God's going to take care of the rest. Let God be the driver and he's going to take care of you.